Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. From 2 Samuel, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. This morning we are uh, continuing with David's story. And before we dive into the text, I'd like to ask you a few questions. And yes, these will be rhetorical, so please do not raise your hand. It will be embarrassing for both of us. So, a couple questions. First of all, has God ever told you no? I want you to think about this for a second. Has God ever told you no? And I want to clarify that a little bit because there are a lot of different ways that God can tell us no. Um, one, has he, has he suddenly closed a door that you thought would be open to you? Has God told you no? Or has he so convicted you when you were heading down one path that he, he caused you to change direction and go another way? Or here's a simple way. Has God ever disagreed with you about anything? Have you ever opened the Bible and read it and said, God, I wouldn't have done it that way? Or, uh, you know, I don't think that's right. Has God ever told you no or different? And if if he has, what do you do with that? What do you do when you're not on the same page with God, when he tells you no? And I ask this question because our text for this morning Uh, David is seeking to build a temple, to build a house for the Lord, and God's response to David is no. So let's look back at our passage together briefly. Uh, This is from verse 1. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan, right, Nathan his prophet, Nathan his Uh, right-hand guy when it comes to matters of the Lord, he responds and he says, go, do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. At this point in Israel's history, David had defeated Goliath, he had defeated the Philistines, he had become king, he had a secure throne, and he decides to to pay attention to a house for the Lord. And, And it was common practice in ancient culture actually to build a temple to your God to build a house for him to dwell in. This was, and it was in order to honor that God and in order to secure divine blessings, right? I'm going to honor the God that I'm building this temple for, but I also want to be blessed. I also want to secure divine blessings. And so, in our text, David asks Nathan, who, without consulting God, says, sure, sounds like a good thing to do. And God has supported you in everything so far, so why not? Build him a house. And I I know that you're familiar with this way of thinking because I am too, and I struggle with it all the time. If I can break, you, break this down for you, what's happening further, it looks kind of like this. Ready? I want this. It will make me happy. God wants me to be happy, therefore I will do this. Does that sound familiar? You ever, you ever go through that line of thinking when it comes to making a decision? You don't actually consult God. You don't actually ask Him. You don't look to Scripture to see what the Bible says about it. You just kind of say, well, it'll make me happy. God wants me to be happy, therefore it's okay. And and so rather than consulting God, who might say no, 
You just speak for him. But with God, it is much wiser to ask permission than forgiveness. And in in our text for this morning, God won't be treated as a yes man. He speaks to Nathan that night and he says, no, David will not build my temple. See, earlier I had asked if God has ever told you no. And I asked this, and it's, it's an important question for all of us, because if you've never uh, been at odds with God, if God has never told you no, or if God has never told you that he disagrees with you, then I wonder if you're actually worshiping a real God. If you've never disagreed with God, I wonder if you're actually worshiping a real God, a true God, the holy God, or if you're just worshiping an image of yourself. You see, I think this is largely why we're so fractured in our beliefs as Christians in general right now. And I also think it's why so many Christians don't have that vibrant, moving relationship with the true and living God. It's because in our day-to-day lives or decisions or beliefs, rather than seek God and risk being wrong, we would rather just speak to the sock puppet of our own imagination, right, and be told yes, and that's okay, and that's good. And we, could, we don't consult His Word, and we don't seek Him in prayer. Well, in our text for this morning, God tells David no. And in another win for David's character, David actually listens to him. So let's look back at our text. This is verse 4. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from, to Egypt to this day. And in verse 8, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut off all your enemies before you. I want us to think about this for a second. Why do you think God says no to David? Why do you think God says no to David? Well, God's no is a mercy, and God's no is a no of grace. You see, as I mentioned before, it was common in the ancient world for a successful king to build a temple as a way to not only honor a god, but also to placate that god, to appease that god, to secure future blessings from that god. Sort of a quid pro quo, right? It would be, somebody said it like this, it would be akin to a parent you know, doing all of this work to get their kid uh, a fine education and through college and, you know, postgraduate work, build a successful career, and then that kid goes back and starts supporting the parent financially, right, in in their older age and in retirement. You all follow me so far? And the child partially does this in order to stay in that will, you know, just, just remember me. Remember what I'm doing for you. Again, it's quid pro quo. And, and so there's an element to David's offer to God that is, that is quite frankly patronizing. As we mentioned last week, it's a bit presumptuous, and it really places David in a precarious position. It puts him in a difficult spot because up until this point, up until this point, David has given God credit for everything. David gave God credit for killing Goliath. David gave God credit for keeping him safe from Saul. David gave God credit for making him king. David was all about God. But at this point, he's in real danger of becoming all about David. 
You see, now that he's made it, he imagines that he can return the favor to God as if God needed anything from him, as if God needed anything from David. And God mercifully stops David right in his tracks before he can get too full of himself, before David changes the whole nature of the relationship. God asks him, would you build me a house to dwell in? I took you from the pasture. I made you king, and I gave you victory in everything. And if I let you build this house, if I let you build this house, you will think that you will have somehow earned my favor. And our relationship in your eyes will no longer be one of grace and love, but of earning and merit. You will not build a house for me and presume to bless me. Instead, I will bless you, and I will make your name great to keep David's relationship with, to, to, and I will give you peace, and I will establish your throne forever. What God's saying to David here is, is he's mercifully interceding, and he's keeping David's relationship from being one based on love to being one based on merit, because a, ba- a relationship based on merit is not a relationship based on love. Earlier this week, I was explaining this passage to um, uh, a non-Christian, and, and she was, you know, very unfamiliar with the Bible, right? Understandably so. And, uh, and as I was explaining this passage to her, she said, you know, it's almost like God doesn't want anything from us. It's almost like God doesn't need anything from us. And I thought that was a really insightful and interesting point, and in one sense, that's true, because if we believe that by attending church or tithing or reading our Bibles that we are doing God a favor we will feel as if he somehow owes us something. I want you to catch this. This is very important. If we feel that we are doing all of these things, tithing and attending and being here, and we're doing God a favor by doing so, that we'll start to believe that, he's, that he owes us something in return. And not only that, our relationship with him being one of merit will mean that we will spend our entire lives with him feeling like we can't win his approval. There's no good that comes out of it. It taints the relationship, and it makes the relationship, again, based on merit and not love. But if we know that God loves us and that He blesses us out of that love, then when we go to church or tithe or read the Bible or we pray, we will realize that God has prescribed these things for us, for our sake. See, God doesn't need your worship, but you do because it strengthens your relationship with Him. God doesn't need your money, but you need to tithe so that your money doesn't have dominion and power over you. God doesn't need you to pray or read your Bible, but you do, and in order to live the life that He has called you to live. So David sought to build God a temple, but God said, no. What you want, David, is not what you need, and it would harm you. And like in every instance that God tells us no, he says, I have something better for you. I have something better for you. Let's look back at our text. Verse 11, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. God is saying, no, David, you will not build me a house. 
and said, I will build and establish for you an everlasting house. Your legacy and the welfare of your people will be secure. This is actually a pivotal text for us. And it's a pivotal text for us because when God makes his promise with David, he establishes this promise. He says that as long as the person who remains on the throne is faithful to me, I will keep your line secure. So what happens? Solomon gets on the throne, his son. And Solomon's reign does not end well. Solomon does not end faithful to the Lord. And you start seeing this in the history of Israel, this kind of broken line of kings who are faithful and are, do well, kings who are unfaithful to the Lord and do poorly. And you imagine the Israelites are looking at your history and saying, God, you promised that, that you know, you would have a, a, a son on the throne forever. You promised the throne of David forever. What are you doing? Where are you? You said no, but, but do you really have something better for me? And I think we've all been in this position, right? We expected something from God. He didn't deliver, and we're wondering, where is he in this? Is there really something better for us? Well, we, friends, have the benefit of hindsight. We have the benefit of history, and we know that God did fulfill his promise and have a son of David on the throne forever, a son who reigns and who upholds righteousness when we cannot and who secures the blessing of God. And that person is Jesus Christ. We're going to finish by looking at Luke chapter 1. Think about how Jesus fulfills what God has said for David. Jesus will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank you that we can fully rely on your love for us. We thank you that your blessings for us, your love for us, is not based on any performance of ours. It is not based on merit. It is not based on our earning. God, but you have given us blessings, and you will bless us continually. God, we thank you for your promises being fulfilled in your Son, Jesus Christ, who reigns over us on the throne forever. Let us look toward him for comfort and for peace, for security and stability. And God, trusting that when you say no, you are saying better. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.